0: where can our listeners check out Daisy if they're thinking like, let's do it. I'm ready. I'm going to get on Daisy. Get on Daisy. You don't get on <laughs> Daisy. But I mean, I guess you can get on it if you want to. <laughs> Sorry, that was a really bad joke. Welcome to the Finding Your Shine podcast, hosted by best friends, Nina Boyce and Liz Garster. Enjoy a dose of Monday motivation each week as we interview people lighting up the communities of health and wellness, spirituality, and personal growth. Wherever you are on your journey to health, happiness, and self-love,
1: our real and authentic conversations with guests will keep you inspired and empowered. And keep you laughing too. Thanks for listening. We're honored to join you in finding your shine.
0: Hey, everybody. Today, we are back with a new episode of the podcast. And we are talking to Holly, who is a brand ambassador and educator of the DAISY device. Yeah, I feel like this
1: episode is yet another... I feel like this season or whatever period we're in is Liz finally learns about how her body works at age 30. That's the official subtitle of the episode.
0: But you know what's crazy is nobody really knows how their body works unless you are me and you are like devoting your life to women's health and hormones and you read books about it all the time. But you are not in... The minority with that. I think that a lot of women don't understand what's going on within their body and their menstrual cycle and the signs that their body's giving them. And that's why I think Daisy is such a great tool. And I've been using it now for about a month. I really love it. It's been an incredible way for me to be able to track my cycle, um, take my basal body temperature, see when I'm ovulating. And the the good thing about it is you don't have to know anything about your cycle to use it. So if you are looking for something to help you out to help track your cycle, you honestly just have to take your temperature every morning and the app will tell you what's going on. But if you're like me and you like to kind of dig in and analyze the temps and kind of use your prior knowledge and research, it's another tool to really get to know your body if you want to do the extra research behind it. So it's a really, really cool application and device. And I'm excited for you guys to learn more about it. Yes. We talk about that. We talk
1: about birth control and our experiences with birth control. Again, a theme on the podcast this season. Um, Holly also wrote the book Sweetening the Pill and is working on a documentary about birth control currently. So that's obviously talked about as well in the episode and just lots of other little nuggets of information if you are either trying to get pregnant or trying to not get pregnant.
0: The Daisy will help you do both. So (laughs) it's not just about... It's actually, from my understanding... The if you are red, like if you get the little red blinky on your Daisy, it's like don't have sex. And then no, no, no. I'm sorry, it's the opposite. If you get, <laughs> You're the gonna get green, so many people pregnant right now. You're gonna yeah, they're like <laughs> Nina said. <laughs> Nina told me no. Scratch everything I just said. If it's green, it's like green light. Go have sex. You won't get pregnant. And if it's red, it's like, stop right now. Use some protection. You will get pregnant or you might get pregnant.
1: I feel like that's confusing if you, you should be able to switch it. Like that's for if you don't want to get pregnant. But like if you do, that's kind of (laughs) confusing.
0: Exactly. So I think what I was going to say was it seems to be kind of tailored to women as a form of birth control. Because if it's green, you're good to do your thing. And if it's red, don't. But if you're trying to get pregnant, you just have to switch the colors in your mind. Don't mess up. (laughs) Don't mess up. Do your own research. Do not take my word for the colors I just gave you. These colors are not endorsed by Nina. But before we hop into this episode, I wanted to let everybody know that I am currently taking one-on-one clients for hormone coaching. And if this is something that you've been interested in, if you've been feeling like you're struggling with your hormone balance, chronic fatigue, acne, painful periods, PMS, maybe even you're struggling with a diagnosis like endometriosis or PCOS, um, I'm here to help you and coach you through the entire way. So if you have been thinking about coaching, you can actually apply on my website and we get to have a free discovery call to see if we're a good fit together. But... Essentially, what we'll do is we'll dive into your nutrition, we'll dive into your lifestyle, we'll even touch in with elements of energy and spirituality. I do tarot readings, just a mix of all of the things that are going to help you start to feel really well again and connect to your body and start to calm the stress response and balance your hormones once again. So, (laughs) sorry. So, don't (laughs) die. (laughs) Woo. Okay. So you can head on over to my website, which is nourishedwithnina.com and under work with me, you'll see one-on-one coaching or private coaching and you can apply for your free discovery call there or you can always catch up with me and message me on Instagram at nourishedwithnina or even on Facebook. I have a private hormones Facebook group and that is Healing Hormones on Facebook. So lots of ways to catch up with me and link up with me and I would love to work with you. Awesome. Well, be sure to check out Mina's stuff, work with her, and let's talk everything
1: hormones, tracking fertility, and birth control with Holly Griggs-Ball.
0: Hey listeners, welcome back to a new episode of the podcast. Today we are talking to Holly who who is an ambassador for Daisy, um, a product that I am super excited about being in women's hormonal health coaching. Um, it's a product that me and Liz both ran into at the Good Fest a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. How many times have we talked about the GoodFest? A million. We, yeah. <laughs> and at that time, like both of us were like, no babies. And so we went to the booth and we saw that there was this device that, you know, non-hormonal birth control. I mean, it's not birth control it's an app and we'll talk a little bit more as we get into it but it lets you know with super great um what's the word i'm looking for precision precision thank Ah. you liz (laughs) super great precision whether or not you are fertile so holly thank you so much for coming on the show and would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners
2: Yeah, so thank you very much for having me on. I am Holly griggs I started my whole journey into this world with um, my experience on the pill. I had a book come out in uh, 2013 called Sweetening the Pill, uh, which was actually originated as a blog. Um, I'm also working on a documentary, feature documentary inspired by that book currently uh, with Ricky Lake and Abby Epstein. And a few years ago, I became a brand ambassador for Daisy. They reached out to me with the device. At the time, I was doing a lot of advocacy and education around fertility awareness and body literacy. And Natalie Rechberg, the CEO of Daisy, um, reached out to explain to me how she just launched this product in the US. And I was really excited about it because I thought it made fertility awareness and body literacy more accessible to a lot more women which I was really interested in supporting for them. They're a German-based company. So I'm over on the West Coast in Los Angeles. And I've done all kinds of different things with Daisy, including workshops and events, um, social media, interviews, this podcast, unsurprisingly. So yeah, Mm -hmm. that's me.
0: Awesome. Well, okay, you said the word body literacy in there a couple of times. Can you explain to us a little bit more what that means?
2: Really, it means just getting to know your body through listening to the signals and Mm -hmm. signs that it gives you. In this case, it specifically relates to your fertility. So learning about um, how to track and acknowledge your fertility signs, as well as using your menstrual cycle as uh, the fifth vital sign of your health. Mm -hmm. So understanding that the importance of understanding ovulation and menstruation as being part of being in tune with like your health and overall well-being really
1: now i'm wondering like so when i started when i got on the pill which i'm not currently on hormonal birth control but i i have been in years past and i got on when i was like about 16 which i feel like is you don't really know what's going on with your body. Like you're not through puberty. Like you are very, I feel like I was very unaware of my cycle and like just how my body responded to things. So for anyone that's been on the birth control pill and maybe is looking to get off or has gotten off, how would you say they can reconnect with their body if maybe that's something that they haven't really done before? Like, what are some of the things that your body can tell you that you can look for being off birth control?
2: Um, So I was in a very similar situation. I was on birth control um, from when I was 17 to 27. I would say... From my experience, when you come off, you kind of immediately are, more go- are going to be more aware of your cycle because you'll start having a cycle, you'll start having actual menstruation. Hopefully within the first three months, that will return. That's normal for most women, although for some women, it takes longer. Um, and so during that time, for me, at first, it was really just getting to understand the basics of fertility awareness, the concept that you have a f- fertile window. And on those days you can get pregnant and outside of that fertile window, you cannot get pregnant. Your body is not prepared for a pregnancy. And that to me in itself was life-changing information because I had spent much of the past decade thinking that you could get pregnant on any day of your cycle. There were just degrees of potential for pregnancy and then I think, you know, you start experiencing menstruation, you start experiencing perhaps symptoms and changes around ovulation. And so early on, I think it's just really getting back into the awareness more than anything. And then some women like to take that further, which is with tracking fertility signs for information that they then may use either to avoid pregnancy or plan a pregnancy. Um, or they may just use them because they want to be able to confirm and know if and when they're ovulating and when to expect their period or to see if their body is having any trouble regaining kind of hormonal health after being on birth control. So yeah, I think it's a journey and it's one that different people take in different steps. Some women will decide to want to use this fertility awareness method or fertility awareness-based methods for avoiding pregnancy and that's kind of one route to take. Others may want to use just condoms or use get a copper IUD and then still want to learn about their cycle from a health point of view and want to be engaged with their cycle from the point of view of just as a as an element of self-care or as an element of just making sure that you're healthy, perhaps in preparation for wanting to get pregnant in the future, or perhaps just because you were told that you had cycle issues before you went on her birth control, or perhaps um, you, were, you were very young, as you said, 16, and you weren't sure where you're at with your cycle. So there's a few different paths that women take. The one that tends to lead women to Daisy is the one where you may want to know more about your cycle, have um, insight into your health, but also interested in knowing when your fertile days fall and when your non-fertile days fall.
0: Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's what really, when I first saw it, the Daisy app, I was, or the, yeah, Daisy, when you guys were at the Good Fest, I was like, ooh, I want to see how I can use this to prevent pregnancy. Like that's where I was at the time. And then... Right now, while I'm using it, it was just because I want to get to know my cycle more because I am not on birth control either and I'm always tracking my cycle. But sometimes tracking when you ovulate can be tricky, especially if you're like me and you travel a lot, that can disrupt your cycle. Or, I mean, if you have a sensitive body, which many women do, we don't even realize how sensitive it is to nutritional changes even switching up your exercise routine, of course, like stress, those things, I mean, your ovulation can change. And so I thought it'd be really nice to have that backup device that can start to show me, okay, yeah, the signs that I'm seeing, tracking cervical fluid and then, you know, keeping track of my cycle, all of these things are matching up with Daisy. And so I think it's nice to have that there. And also if you don't want to do the work of like, tracking your cervical fluid and your days and all of that and your basal body temperature, Daisy will do it for you. So that's a really great thing about about the product.
2: Yeah. And I think that women come to it from different places in that way too. Some come to it with no, not knowing... Anything about tracking fertility, their cervical fluid, cervix position, um, not really being aware of that, but wanting to learn more. And Daisy is the gateway for that information. As you said, some women will um, not have the time or the inclination to want to learn all those other elements and really would just love Daisy to give them the red and the green lights. And then some women finally start Daisy and then maybe three, four months down the road, they want to fold in other elements of fertility awareness and body literacy. So really, it's a tool that you can utilize in whatever way you want to in your life. The, The point initially for how it was designed was to make it just as easy as possible for women to get that information about their cycle so it's an all-in-one device with, like, an actually, like, specially designed sensor to get basal body temperature, and the sensor is part of the device that does the calculations for your fertility. So really, it's the only kind of device that's out there that does that with the sensor plus the calculations at the same time in the all-in-one device. So you you know that the sensor's been tested for basal body temperature and it works in combination with this fertility calculation database and algorithm. So, um, yeah, so, and it, you know, it's, that's where it came from originally. And I think women can use it in so many different ways in their own context, really. So how does the effectiveness
1: compare to other, of doing this method and using either DAISY or something like DAISY, um, I guess there's not really anything quite like DAISY, but how does this compare to other forms of contraception because like, I think it's just because I don't know about you, Nina, but like it's been drilled in my head. I, I feel, feel like you on that where it's like at any moment, like it's just a pregnancy is around the corner just <laughs> waiting to be the exception. And we actually I won't Um, I have a friend. I won't mention who she is, but she was <laughs> doing some app calculations like she was using just a, a regular tracker. And got it wrong.
0: Well, that's if you're not like, taking your temperature though. And that's the that's the tricky thing. And I'm going to let Holly answer this, but I actually I want to go back to what you're saying, Liz, is that it's so ingrained in us that like, I mean, I remember in college when I got on birth control, purely because I didn't want to get pregnant, I was like... I didn't know that I could only get pregnant like six, five to six days out of the month. I literally did not know that until I decided in my health coaching career that I was going to pursue hormonal health. And it wasn't until I did that that I was like, holy shit, you can only get pregnant. Like, it's science. You Like there's no other way. And so it's just crazy that women do not know that about their body. And here we're taking birth control throughout the entire month when we only need contraception five to six days out of the entire month. But you do have to be careful because those five to six days can change if you're not hmm. tracking. Due but, to those okay. other
1: factors you were talking about earlier. Exactly. You know, like, okay, gotcha.
0: But going back, okay, wait, now I can't remember what your original question was. How effective <laughs> it is compared oh, to other yeah. contraceptions. Compared to other contraceptions, yes. <laughs>
2: So I think it's an important point to make that we wouldn't compare DAISY to other contraception. There is now an FDA digital birth control category that you can be approved for as a digital device. And there are apps and devices out there that are currently or may be currently in the future considered FDA approved digital birth control is what it's called. So we wouldn't do that direct comparison. DAISY is a fertility awareness based method tool but you know obviously as you said you know it is science as such so what you're doing is you're tracking your fertility cycle to look for and confirm that window in which you can fall pregnant now it's the same method whether you want to plan a pregnancy or avoid a pregnancy so that's why you know you would you you'll get your green days on them you'll get your green lights or the green dot on your app on your non-fertile days and the red lights or the red dot on your app on your fertile days. And with that information, you can choose to do what you feel you need to do. And of course, all women come to using a device like Daisy with different intentions. You know, some everybody, like we said before, will have different intentions, perhaps even month to months, even, you know, every six months it might change, it may change after a year, it may change after five years of use. So I think that's an important way to contextualize it. But you know, in terms of the algorithm. The algorithm has come from a 30-year history of uh, the parent company, Valley Electronics, um, which has been making fertility trackers for 34, 34 years precisely. Now, um, it began with the Lady Comp, which was an all-in-one device, pre-cell phone, like pre-smartphone, pre-app, which you had the uh, sensor, and then you would look at all your data on a screen on the device itself. So it was like a little mini computer. And then that got redesigned. The Pearly was developed, which was a smaller version of this. And then Daisy is kind of the pinnacle of all their research up to that point with the added in element of being able to connect to your app on the on which your smartphone. Which is so amazing. Yeah. And which is most people are used to now, like viewing a lot of health information via their smartphone. So that's where that came from. So it has a long history. So there's many, many, as you alluded to, uh, devices and apps out on the market now and this space is really booming which is really exciting for women you know i think that we always deserve to have as many choices as possible but the one thing that differentiates in terms of you know what, trusting trusting a de- the device in terms of feeling confident in using it is the history of the company in making these devices and trackers for women worldwide for so long but I did want to come back to what you said about your friend's experience. I'm sure you'll want to add to this as well, which is that um, you know we do have to differentiate as well from period tracker apps. Now, period tracker apps—I um, re- I recently spoke at the Society for Menstrual Cycle Research conference about this—are what the majority of women think of when we talk about this subject, and what many women have on their phone, like maybe it's iPeriod or Flow or something like that. With period tracker apps, your own what that means is you're only putting in your period start date. So when your period starts, you press a button that tells the app that your period starts. As a rule, Although this is not a hard and fast rule across the board, unfortunately. But as a rule, those um, period trackers really shouldn't be telling you that you're in your fertile window, that this is your ovulation day, that you're in your ovulation phase. None of that language should really have a place with period tracker apps because that's what I call the digitized rhythm method, essentially. And so you can't know because, as you mentioned, ovulation date and fertile window can shift cycle to cycle even depending on sickness stress levels medications you might be taking changes in seasons all kinds of things so it's really important to know that like this isn't like a a category that isn't like split into a lot of different sections and then the only way you can actually know when your fertile window falls is if you're practicing something every day in order to track your fertility whether that's going to be using a device that has a temper- the basal body temperature tracking, cervical fluid, whether you're doing cervix position or combination of those. I think that's important. I know this is a long answer, but one more thing. The other thing that you would compare it to is in terms of it being a fertility awareness-based method tool is learning fertility awareness without using a device with an algorithm or an app with an algorithm. And uh, research shows that the way that you can do that, which would be you tracking on your own, taking your basal body temperature, tracking your cervical fluid, possibly tracking your cervix position. Which is hard. that it's, third one it's, is hard. <laughs> not everybody does that one. Yeah. Whether that's with pen or paper or on an app that just allows you to put in the data yourself and doesn't give you any kind of reaction to that. You do need to be taught by a trained practitioner over a period of six months mm-hmm. um, to do it effectively. Uh, again, depending on your goals. Um, but if you wanted to do that to as a part of your plan to avoid pregnancy, you would definitely need to have a trained practitioner to help you.
0: Yeah, yeah. I started off that route. I was I got the book Taking Charge of Your Fertility by Tony. I think it's Weschler. It's a fantastic book, and I highly recommend anybody read it just to like learn about your body because we we don't learn these things. So I started off just doing that on my own, and that's when I was like, you know what? I really want a device that helps just to affirm what I'm doing and making sure that I'm on the right track. And I do love that, like, Daisy is so precise. What, when you were talking about this, is it the sensor? Is that what you said? Like the, yes. Is There's that the just, the, the temperature, is that just, like, really getting specific about the temperature? Because before I was using, and I know I shouldn't have been doing this, but I was using, like, an over-the-counter thermometer. And um, I was using both for a little while while I was doing Daisy. And I was like, Daisy is so much more accurate. Like, it's so much more precise.
2: Yeah. And the thing is, is with the sensor is it's been calibrated to not average out your temperatures. So a lot of like store bought basal body temperature thermometers, they take your temperature super quickly. You may have noticed, but that's because they're just like many fever thermometers, just taking an average of of the multiple temps it takes over a very short period of time. So then it makes essentially a guess at what Ah. the final temperature data would be. Whereas with the DAISY sensor, the reason it can take up to a minute, which can feel like a long time in the morning, is because it's not averaging out that data. It's waiting for a steady, stable temp data to go from. Um, And also, of course, as I said, it's an all-in-one device. So you know it was designed for the use that it's being used for, as in fertility tracking with the algorithm. Whereas with other basal body temperature thermometers, Yes, you can do that if you're what I call manual tracking, which is pen and paper or an app. But you, you, know, if you're using another app with an algorithm or something like that, and you're using a basal body temperature from the store, it wasn't designed for that purpose as such. Um, so that's a benefit. But yeah, essentially, it's about not averaging out that information and making a guess based on it that you're actually getting the precise final stable data.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um, I'm gonna
1: mm-hmm.
2: ask a really silly question, but I don't—I
1: just don't know. No
2: silly <laughs> With, questions.
1: <laughs> With Never Daisy, know. is it like? Like, how do we physically use it? Where's it going? Your tongue. Yes. Okay. Lot that <laughs> I didn't know if me. it was inserted and we're like taking that. Like, Wait, before she answers there. that
0: question, I do have to tell you. <laughs> so like our listeners, if they've never seen it, they're probably like, what are you talking about? It's a device. Like we'll post it on Instagram when the episode airs. But when I got it in the mail and I showed it to Cody, he was like, are you sticking this like up your... That's virgin- what I was I was like, <laughs> I can't tell like by
1: the... Like I can't tell by looking at it online. I'm like, I don't know where this... Like it's just a thermometer, like (laughs)
0: under your tongue.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think that's probably the number one question. Whenever I do events or we're at trade shows or something, like most people are like, where does it go? (laughs) And of course, like that, you know, that it you'll see it it looks it's kind I guess it looks like a thermometer, but it kind of looks like sexy, I guess. I don't know why (laughs) people go down that route. But it's funny because yes, it's the recommendation views and what most women do is they use it under their tongue. So you just put it at there's a you know at the back of your tongue like you would a fever the thermometer to get an accurate measurement, um, and you wait you know up to sixty seconds to get the beat, and then the beat um, will reveal whether you have a red light or a green light or a yellow light on the device itself, um, and then you use Bluetooth to. Get that data onto your phone and the Daisy View app, and then you can see your full chart there. That said, I like to always caveat that with saying there really isn't anything wrong with putting things in your vagina. People are always <laughs> a little bit like grossed out by it. And I'm like, hey, vaginas are fine. Yeah, you know? put it up there if you want to, if that's and your choice. Some women, if they find them what you know they breathe through their mouth most often or they're having trouble getting um, temp data that they need, they will vaginally temp. Hmm. Because, you know, we, we do underarm temps, we do ear temps, you know, lots of different devices are designed for different things. But yes, the vast majority of women do just put the device under their tongue. So that's, that's what how, I do. Yes. That's what I do.
0: I have a question. So I know that Daisy has a learning phase and I'm in the learning phase right now. So this first, you know, three weeks, I think is what I said. I've been, it's showing me a lot of red days because it's getting to know my cycle. And I appreciate that because it's like, it's waiting until it knows my specific cycle and how everything works. And red days means it'll say like fertile, like don't do it if you don't want to have a baby. So what's with the learning phase? I actually just got a yellow uh, yesterday and today. And that's... Ooh,
2: yellow scares me.
0: Yellow? No. Is <laughs> it yellow just learning, right?
2: Or Yellow is the predominantly learning phase color, but most women will get a mix of red and yellow. So really, you have a three-cycle learning phase. And during that time, you'll get mostly red or yellow. That's because Daisy's gathering your data. So it wants three cycles of data before it wants to go forward and set your fertile window. After that point, your fertile window might be quite long. You might have still quite a lot of red days, but those will narrow down over time as it gets to know you better, right? So what it's looking for is what's the length of your cycle normally. It's looking back at previous data that you've put in to see what length of cycles you've had previously. It's also going to start looking at when do you ovulate normally? What kind of differentiation? Is it four or five days in which you normally ovulate? Is it longer? If you have a delayed ovulation, which is, as we mentioned before, like not that unusual and quite normal for women, Daisy just won't confirm that ovulation has happened until it happens and then you'd get the green lights after. So then you would have a cycle with many more red days while Daisy's waiting to get that ovulation temperature shift. So when you get the green, Mm. is that fact that you've ovulated? No, so... With Daisy, you will get some greens when you enter your menstruation. So if you have menstruation, um, it's statistically very unlikely that you are fertile, at least on the first couple of days of menstruation. So... According to the statistical probability based on menstruation fertility, but also on cycle length, you might get one or two green days around that time. Yeah. But um, Daisy won't give you any more green days until it's able to set that fertile window and confirm ovulation with the temp shift. And is that? So you're not going to get, you're not going to get pre-ovulation green days yeah. beyond those one or two until like you actually have more data to show what your cycles look like.
0: Got it. So I, um, so just using my cycle for an example, I was like around 97, 97, a little bit higher, 97. And then I hit like 98 finally today. And Ooh. as I'm tracking cervical fluid and things, I'm like, oh, I think I've ovulated because I've actually been kind of concerned I wasn't. And then I got the green light. But now I'm like, did I put in my, men- did I put in my menstruation wrong? Because I'm still learning how to use the app. But now I'm like, maybe did it choose green because I, I the temp shift?
2: If you had a clear temp shift, yes, it may have done, um, but it may also if if. So I'm not quite sure. You said about menstruation. Um, if you, and I got the tell, red
0: blinkies this
2: morning. Yeah, and okay, that, did you tell Daisy you had your period? I today? didn't do the double click,
0: which is telling Daisy I had my period. So you don't? Is that because you don't have your period? I don't have it. No.
2: Okay, well, that's fine. Then, yes, it's probably the former thing. Woo. So, um, yeah, exactly. So, that's what I don't know if all the listeners will understand, but basal body temperature is an indicator of your fertility mm-hmm. because after you ovulate, you get very slightly hotter. Um, and you won't know this, like, your body, you're not going to be able to tell this but it's a very small shift. So a basal body temperature thermometer um, has a couple of more numbers added to the uh, temperature that you get because it's a very small shift mm-hmm. that, it, that the sensor on the daisy is looking for. And then once you have that shift, that's how you're able to confirm, ovula- the device confirms ovulation. Obviously, you wait a few days and then you get the green lights back into your non-fertile phase because you know that once you've ovulated, your egg only yep. lives 24 hours maximum. And after that point, you can't get pregnant. There that's... is no egg um, that's ready and available to uh, achieve a pregnancy.
0: That's such a good point. And I would love to actually explain that a little bit more and just kind of spread that awareness because I don't think a lot of women know how that works because I, I feel like I just learned it. So it's like those those like four to five days leading up to ovulation, like sperm can live in your body for, I think it is four to five days, right? That's why it's in that fertile window. five days. Five days. Research
2: says five days at maximum.
0: Right. So, uh, like, if you're having sex and you haven't ovulated yet, if it's swimming in there, it's going to stay there for five days. And then if
2: you ovulate on that fifth day, you could still get pregnant. Which is why you have to have a fertile window as opposed to just, you know, as I said, if you have an app that says ovulation day, be cautious because what it's what you're really looking for is the fertile window and the fertile window is comprised of the lifespan of the egg 24 hours or usually it's told 24 to 48 hours because say you ovulate at nine o'clock at night it's going to be a span of over that day and the next day perhaps or so um but then also like you said the lifespan of sperm which can live up to a maximum of five days in in uh, the female body um, waiting for the egg to arise. Um, so, so, you know, that's why, that's why you have to be able to have red days with Daisy that prior to ovulation being confirmed with the temp shift.
1: Yeah. I have a question that I'm going to like totally switch gears here. I hope it doesn't throw anyone off. Um, but I want to go back to birth control a little bit and I'm curious in your research through what you did with your book and what you're doing currently. Um, I don't actually know much about like the history of birth control and how it became so mainstream because I feel like now, like any problem that you go to as a woman, like the answer is like, Oh, just get on birth control. Like it seems like a very readily available, readily prescribed thing. When did that shift kind of happen? Like when did birth control become sort of the default for a lot of these health things that we face as women?
2: I believe it was in the 90s, early 90s when that happened. So essentially what, it's, what is said is that hormonal birth control became um, what's known in the pharmaceutical industry as a lifestyle drug, um, which essentially means that it's taken by a lot of healthy people. So it's not a life-saving medication for um, many of the people who take it. So yes, that means that it began to be marketed for things like acne, cramps, PMS, irregular cycles as well as a range of women's health issues from you know PCOS to endometriosis to fibroids cysts lots of different things the history of it was originally brought out to be you could only get it for if you were uh, married in a married couple and um, it was sort of discussed as almost like a cycle regulator and then it was for pregnancy prevention Um, and as you know now you know we had the pill different kinds of pill formulations over many years and then the development of the hormonal shot implant ring yeah patch Oh, so many different hormonal IUD we have now. So many different permutations of synthetic hormone-based birth control.
0: What are your thoughts then? I I get a little bit torn because, of course, we are all for women's rights like absolutely women should be able to choose birth control and i think that sometimes women are almost feeling targeted with the work that i'm even doing and coming out about like really the side effects of birth control and what, how birth control really doesn't solve any of the underlying hormonal issues or it doesn't cure them which we're kind of told it does like our doctors are like this is the cure what are your thoughts around like birth control and its usage and women and I don't know I'm just kind of looking for your opinion in that whole world
2: yeah so I think what you're saying is true I think for some women using hormonal birth control is their best choice for them for mm-hmm. whatever reason they've made had being able to make a cost-benefit analysis and that it's important that um you know it's very much accessible for women who need it um mm-hmm. And I think there's also women who are, don't realise that then they're prescribed hormonal birth control for a health issue. That when they come off, that health issue is very likely to return. So. Yes, it may treat symptoms while you're on it, but it isn't a root cause treatment. So when you come off, um, it doesn't mean that you will no longer have irregular cycles or cramps or acne or whatever it is, or, or even PCOS or whatever, or endometriosis, whatever it is you went on on it for. Um, and I think not, not many women are aware of that. And of course, at some point, most of us do come off usually to plan a pregnancy or if not that, because we... Get older and we're advised to come off. So yeah, I think that's really important. From my my own work, I you know advocate definitely. You know, as somebody who's from the UK, where birth control methods are freely accessible and free. You know, under the national health system, that's kind of where I come from. It uh, come from with it. I really do think that. Um, All these options should be accessible. I'm for more choice, not less choice. Um, I want women to have as many options as possible, including non hormonal options. And I would also love to see women taught about fertility awareness um, in high school. I would love to see options covered under insurance. Um, You know, I think all of that stuff is really important. And I think really what it comes down to is um, having informed choice. So that you know, you know what it is that you're taking. If there are any things you should look out for, that you should return to your doctor to discuss. You know, as somebody who's written extensively about my experience of experience of side effects of hormonal birth control and and suffering unnecessarily for a long time because I didn't realise that my birth control could cause the problems I was having. You know, I've always been an advocate for just really having as much information as possible and as much feeling of like choice, but also from an informed place.
1: I'm wondering why, one thing that you said spoke out to me, like, and I'm not sure like, how familiar you are with the American education system, but why isn't fertility awareness taught more in schools or even at home? It's, I mean, I, I'm sure at home it might just be that even parents aren't familiar enough with it to, to speak to it, but I'm wondering why that's a topic that's just not Emphasized in our education system.
0: I've wondered that myself, Liz.
2: <laughs> I think it, it's difficult when you're in a situation where, you know, we don't get much sex education or what mm-hmm. sex education we do get is, is quite poor standard and is also muddied by a lot of different ideological feelings about sex and judgments on sex and young people. Um, so talking more in depth about your uh, young people's bodies and sexuality is you know, at this point would be such a leap from what we have right now, um, unfortunately. Um, I think it's really important um, because, you know, knowing both both teaching young uh, teenagers, uh, women and men, about, uh, the fertility cycles can really change how you feel about your period and getting your period and you know how that experience makes you feel the you know it can alleviate feelings of shame or embarrassment and make you feel much more confident and positive about that experience and I think also you know going forward it's a great Knowing the basics of the fertility cycle, understanding that we have a fertility cycle with fertility signs, uh, not understanding ovulation, menstruation, the concept of it as a fifth vital sign, all of that leads to more informed decision-making. So, you know, it, it doesn't mean that you're all going to do that forever for avoiding pregnancy. Um, it may, But at least it provides the educational basis from which you can make really empowered decisions about contraception about reproductive health about whatever it is that you come up against in life and that when we come when we come to the point of perhaps planning a pregnancy that we don't feel so in the dark you know how many women spend a long time desperately trying to avoid pregnancy as much as possible and then find that they really thought that you know they that getting pregnant should be easy and it's not and it's a struggle And it takes a year or more or fertility treatment or, you know, a naturopathic doctor or whatever road they go down. So I think that I agree, you know, why isn't? It is a big question. I think it, there's a lot of different factors playing into why this is not taught. But I think that it definitely should be. And I think you know companies like Daisy and you know many of these new device and and, and app creators out there would uh, agree with that because you know a lot of the times when women find the uh, products that attract their fertility, they're very low information. Um, and you know they uh, the companies end up being the conduit for a lot of that information that should have come so much earlier in life.
1: Maybe I'm going to pull the gender card when I say this, but I maintain that if there were something that men were facing on a monthly basis, we would have a lot more education and awareness around it.
2: No, I think no. we're seeing mm-hmm. that more and more now in terms of everything from research into how women experience pain to mm-hmm. research into what, uh, signs women have of a heart attack, which are vastly different to the signs men have of a heart attack. You know, across the board, women have, and female subjects, and even down to animal subjects, have not been included in research for science and development of drugs and usage of drugs because of our menstrual cycles being seen as a complication that is costly and time-consuming to involve in, a, in research. And that's all only rectified in very recent Years, so you know we've got we've got a lot of evidence to suggest that it is an issue with um, a downplaying or a dismissal or or just sort of an over oversight of of not viewing you know the uh, women's health as sort of an important focus. I think. Yeah.
0: I think women. I mean, they can even go into their doctor's office, and if they're complaining of um, a lot of emotional things, like it can kind of get just cast aside if it has to do even with their hormones or it, maybe it's their thyroid or something. It's not even always looked into because it's just like, oh, they're just being hormonal. It's a woman's or, trouble. Yeah. <laughs> and I've seen that a lot. Like women are just feeling so unheard. But I, I really feel that it's changing and that, I mean, look, we're having this conversation today and I can, I can see that the awareness of this is growing and that actually makes me feel really positive just for like our daughters in the future that, we are getting back with the information we need to teach them how their body works. And I think that it is, it's opening up. Like maybe my mom didn't talk about it. And God knows my grandma never talked about this kind of stuff. But it's just, it's its really looking up and super positive that there's resources out there like Daisy that are helping us get in tune and in touch with our body.
2: Yes. And I think you're right. Obviously, you know, in terms of education, it's not not Happening in high schools, then it can be happening at home, right? Um, And that you can certainly be approaching your your daughter's first period in a very different way to perhaps your family approach your period. And um, in terms of like giving the full education on what it means to have a menstrual cycle, um, making it more than just a period, making it about the whole cycle. There's so much. I think there's so much opportunity there. There's some great books coming out for teenagers about female health um too you know there's so beautiful you by nat kring um the one i always recommend is cycle savvy which is by the same author as taking charge of your fertility there's some yeah there's some positive um books coming out that really talk about like the menstrual cycle as a fifth vital sign and you know even uh acog the uh, I always American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists committee. Sorry, said that it was important for young women and their doctors to be tracking their cycles because not because the lack of periods in your teenage years can or um, can mean a lot of um, problems like thyroid issues, but it can also mean indicate things like eating disorders or chronic stress. So you know, if we're taking care of young women in the right way, we really want to have a different, un- different view of like periods as a whole.
0: And it'll just help us as, as women age to know and understand what's going on. Because I mean, I remember—I don't know about you guys, but like when remember how excited you were to just get your first period. You're like, oh my oh, god, yeah. I that can't wait hot. to get. I'm a woman. Like I can't really? wait to get. My first <laughs> how old
2: are you guys? Uh, Thirty. Oh well, that's great. I wasn't. I was absolutely. <laughs> I was. I. It was a tragedy. Wait, did you ask how
0: old we are now, or how old we were then?
2: No, how old you are now? Yeah, (laughs) because I hear this more and more, and I wonder sometimes if it's a generational thing. I'm thirty six, so we're pretty close in age. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think that's amazing when I hear that. I'm so glad. But I find it very funny because at the time, I was very why me about Uh it at 14 years old. Mm -hmm. And now I spend 85% of my time talking about my period. Yeah,
0: same. (laughs) But I just, I think then it's interesting that you go through things throughout your life and then you start to hate it, you know, because then you hear everybody like, oh, I got cramps or like, now I have acne. And then as you get older, you're like everything you want to do, especially when you're like in college or high school. And you're, you know, having sex You're like, don't want to get my period ever Um, And then as you get older And you start to have hormonal problems And you start paying attention to it It's like, I I then turned to I can't wait to get my period and I can't wait to find out the signs and I can't wait to figure out what's going on in my body. And sometimes I even notice like women who hit menopause, for example, it's like all of a sudden it hits them so quick. Uh, You know, all these, your hormones drop and everything. And I'm almost curious, like if we were learning about what's been going on in our bodies since we were younger, if those transitions to like getting older and even through menopause would be so much easier because obviously some of it's inevitable, but you can prepare for it or you can hear the signs earlier if you know what you're
2: looking for. Well, I just, as I said, I was just at the Society of Menstrual Cycle Research Conference and there was a panel and presentation on this exact thing, which showed that awareness of what to expect can positively impact your experience. It was menopause. So just being aware of what to expect, having a supportive community, you know, feeling more, uh, not expecting it to be a, a horrific transition can make a big difference, but it's the same. It's like you said; like it's no different. Like, right? if you thought that getting your period was a great thing, it would completely change your experience of getting your period. Right? Yeah, right. So it, I don't think it's any different on either end of the spectrum, men up to menopause. It all comes back to the same thing: is that we are, you know, we don't talk about it, or what we hear is negative, or we feel shame or silence around it. And so, of course, we, we, you know, we end up having the um, experiences we do. That doesn't mean that women with terribly symptomatic cycles are just because they think negatively. There are lots of things going on, you know, from you know, in your hormonal health, endocrine system, environmental issues, lots of things going on that can lead to having legitimately, quote unquote, bad periods for sure but i do think there's a piece of the puzzle there which is about you know how we how we are taught to think about those changes
0: yeah absolutely i think when it comes down to it like throughout this entire conversation it's about like you even mentioned earlier, being backed with the knowledge so that you can make informed decisions. I mean, I was talking to someone recently. I actually have um, a private hormones Facebook group where we just chat about all of this sort of stuff. Um, And some of the girls in there are on birth control and they were mentioning like, it's really serving me right now. Like birth control serving me because it's helping with my pain. Or I understand that it might not be curing my, my underlying issue, but it's helping me get through. Or some women are like, I don't have the time right now in my busy schedule to track my fertility and do all of these things. So birth control is what's best for me right now. Or maybe some people are like, this the um side effects of birth control aren't what's best for me right now. So I'm gonna go a different route and use Daisy. And so it's all about just knowing all of the things and so that you can say this is the best choice for me.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, you know, I'm a very big fan of fertility awareness education, just to empower women with information and knowledge and, you know, the feeling of being in control of their fertility and their health. Um, But, you know, absolutely that doesn't mean that everybody's going to be in the same boat with their decision-making. And these things change over time. You know, I was on the pill from 17. I had very heavy periods. Um, You know, I had a busy school schedule. It's nothing like as busy as young people are these days with how much pressure is put on them to achieve different things in different areas of their life. So I have a lot of, you know, I have a lot of empathy and understanding that at some points in life, you know, we have to make different decisions that are right for us. Mm -hmm. And the both of us have been on birth control for multiple, were
0: on birth control for multiple, multiple years. So I feel like we all are coming at it from a very similar background of going through it, but unfortunately, all three of us sounds like we were very unaware of what was happening in our bodies when we were on it. But now on the other end, we, we've we learned so we can all share and keep this conversation going for many years to come.
2: Yes, exactly. And I think that's the important thing is to you know as women, we can use our experiences to educate other people and uplift other people. And I think that, you know, that's a wonderful thing to be able to do.
0: Yeah. Well, Where can our listeners check out Daisy if they're thinking like, let's do it. I'm ready. I'm going to get on Daisy. Get on Daisy. You don't get on Daisy. But (laughs) I mean, I guess you can get on it if you want to. (laughs) Sorry, that's a really bad joke. But where can our listeners get Daisy if they want to try it out?
2: Yeah, so I recommend going to daisy.me and Daisy is D-A-Y-S-Y. Um, It's actually a combination of the words daily and synchronization. Oh, I had no idea. I was curious. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there's also a really great five thousand women strong Facebook group called Daisy Fertility Tracker Sisterhood and Support. If you want a private Facebook group to ask questions, get experiences from women who've used a Daisy, you know, two, three, four years, five years, and also get you know any information about fertility awareness. A lot of women share their charts as they're going to understand using Daisy. I have to join. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, so it's a really powerful community of women supporting women who are making this decision for themselves. So What's that's that a really great again? thing too. Of the um, group? Daisy Fertility Tracker, D-A-Y-S-Y, Sisterhood and Support is the so group. Cool. Yeah. And also the Instagram is a really great place for information, Daisy at Daisy Fertility Tracker
0: following there already so i'm Mm -hmm. excited to hop in the facebook group and bond with all the women in there too well thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your knowledge with us i know this is really going to help our listeners uh get more in tune with their body and make the choice that's right for them yeah thank you
2: so much for having me to talk about this
0: you're welcome All
1: right. Well, I am so glad we had this call with Holly. I know we got a ton out of it. Like I said, at the beginning of the episode, this is just me learning all the things that I really should have learned when I was like 13 years old. So if anyone else is in that boat, hopefully you have been helped, but yeah, thanks for coming on the show, Holly, and talking to us about Daisy. If you're interested in learning more about Daisy, I encourage you to check them out. We had a good conversation with them at the Good Fest. The people that we talked to were super helpful. And I know their website has a ton of good information too. So if that's something that you're interested in. So it's not Daisy with like the flower that is D-A-Y like day and then S-Y. You can give them a good old Google search and find them and learn more.
0: Absolutely. And I've been using it, like I mentioned in the episode. So feel free to ask me questions. I am happy to share my experience um, with Daisy as well. But before you head off, just a reminder that if you've been interested in working with someone one on one to get your hormones in balance and to really start to feel well again in your body, I am taking one on one clients and I'd be happy to talk with you and help you get your hormones back on track. You can catch up with me at nursedwithnina.com on Instagram, at Nourished with Nina, or you can also join the free Facebook group, which is Healing Hormones on Facebook.
1: And I would be happy to not help you heal your hormones because I don't know how to do that.
0: (laughs) Well, that's why I'm here. So come to me for all your healing hormone needs. All right, guys, thanks for joining in this week. We will catch you next
1: week with another great guest.
0: See you guys later.